0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Cena, and I love following the journeys Of other young entrepreneurs. This episode's a real special one. In this one, I spoke with Eleanor Manley, the co founder of an artificial intelligence powered technology startup called Metaspace to reduce sexual harassment in the workplace. And so we cover the massive issue of sexual harassment, along with how artificial intelligence and data can help combat it and prevent it at source. Also, why now is the perfect time to tackle this issue at scale within workplaces across the UK and across the world with the emergence of advanced technologies and the new laws coming into play and also if you have a b2b startup focusing on social good how you can find advocates within corporates you know corporate environments to champion you and your solution to help create adoption and you know ultimately sales profit on your end as you guys know, this is like the perfect sort of episode for me. You know, I'm, I'm massively, you know, a big fan of, of startups doing some real, real social good in the world. And I think these are my personal favorites, these sort of episodes. I really love them because I love hearing how new technologies such as artificial intelligence or da- data interpretation, that sort of stuff, is being used in the real world as a tool to help people and to empower people. I, I really love that. And so, yeah, these are my sort of favourite episodes, and I hope they're they're your favourites too, because I, I really love I really love recording these ones. Anyways, so that brings me to this week's shout out. So, in case you don't know, every week I'm giving a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts as a way of saying thank you for the love, for the support. I really do appreciate it. So, in this episode, the shout out goes to Michael Angelo Tal, who says Cena is one hell of a host. He's quick, smart, and knows how to lead a conversation. Give us a try; you won't regret it. That's such a nice comment. Thank you so much, and I hope no one does regret listening to the podcast. Um, I do put a lot of effort into so it, so it's nice to hear that you guys do enjoy, especially you, Michelangelo, with that lovely comment of yours. Um, it really is appreciated. Thank you so much. If you want to feature in next week's episode in the form of a shout out, please be sure to leave a written review with your name, like Michelangelo's done very very nicely, and I'll give you a shout out in the next episode as a way of saying thank you. So anyways, without further ado, let's go on with the episode. Hey, Eleanor, how are you doing?
1: Hi, yeah, very good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: No, it's my absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's so good to have you on because as I was saying to you before we hit record, whenever I see something that's out there. And it's a problem that's existed literally, I mean, like obviously we'll talk about a bit more, but the problem of, of sexual harassment and all of that stuff, it's a problem that's existed for literally since the beginning of time. Like it's it's existed for so long. So whenever I see problems like that that have existed for so long, and then there's a new, you know, technology such as, you know, big data or blockchain or, you know, artificial intelligence that have come up and they're solving that problem. Those sort of things really excite me because it's a problem that couldn't have been solved before, and now there's something there that's really helping it. So that I basically explained a little bit what you guys do already, but yeah, that's that's pretty. That's why I really wanted to have you on in the first place.
1: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. It's um, I think one of the main problems when dealing with sexual harassment is a lack of data. And so that's something that we're really trying to solve, um, and to pull insights from that data, and actually come with the best solution for it.
0: So is that is that kind of how Metaspace was born out of like a whole? I guess you saw the problem as sexual harassment existed. You also, I think, like you studied uh, data at university. You kind of thought, how can I marry these two sol- these two things together to solve that problem?
1: Yeah. So my my co-founder and I, we we really you know, so sexual harassment is such a large problem. And one of the main issues to it is reporting. So about 99.8% of individuals who experience sexual harassment don't report it. And so that's obviously awful on on an individual side. And a majority, like we're concentrating on the B2B uh, workplaces. And a majority of individuals at, in the workplace have experienced sexual harassment in one point of their working career so the data that we've been able to find is that 60 percent of women and a third of all men um, experience sexual harassment at work so you know we knew it was a huge ethical issue and then we started digging deeper and deeper into okay what are the actual effects on companies um, and that's when we found like you know a huge um, kind of all these hidden costs to of sexual harassment on companies, so uh, this includes you know dips in productivity, um, increase in absenteeism, increase in uh, staff turnover, which obviously is just bad business for companies. And so you know that linked with so you have the ethical and the financial, and then the. Um, on the legal side there's a new framework coming to force in december of this year that states that all eu companies must have a whistleblowing reporting system um so we're also plugging into that so our um our tech is kind of to allow companies to be compliant as well as specialized in sexual harassment
0: that's that's so cool so before we go on to i guess the sexual harassment problem i'd love to kind of de- like dive into the tech a little bit because what what is it what aspect of the sexual harassment reporting what, what aspect of that does this new technology or like these new the new solutions that you've created, like what what specifically does that solve, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, so previously in the workplace, if you were experiencing the sexual harassment case, you would either go to your HR manager or your, your line manager. So that's kind of tends to be company policy. Um, the issue with that is obviously people don't usually feel comfortable coming forward with it. Um, and that's, you know, it tends to be linked to the fear of repercussions. And that fear of repercussions is actually, um, you know, a very correct fear to have because actually when people do report sexual harassment in the workplace, um, you know, generally they're then seen as a troublemaker and a lot of people leave their jobs. So in general, women tend to be more likely to resign from a job than to report a case of sexual harassment. So firstly, like the main issue that we're trying to solve is actually improve reporting. So like in so like that's very simply is allowing people to be anonymous but still having a kind of connection there. So the reason why anonymity is so feared within companies is um, one a fear of false reports and secondly their inability then to actually deal with the case. So we're solving that problem with um, providing as much evidence as possible um, for the company to then have it all in one place and then afterwards. Um, so we have the reporting application for the employee. And then on the company side, we have a case resolution center. So then they can see all the reports coming in in one place. And if the, the, the case is anonymous, they can still actually contact that individual um, with our in-app messaging so you can still actually try to resolve the case even if the person is anonymous.
0: It seems like it seems like a solution like that should have existed a long time ago because like you get you get say company-wide feedback forms to basically like rate the companies like yeah. I don't know healthcare benefits and stuff like that, right? And they're all anonymous. Like yeah. I haven't come across one where it's not anonymous because that's when the best data comes in, the best quality data comes in because people aren't worried about that repercussion aspects like people are honest yeah. at the end of the day that's that's what and that's what being anonymous gives you why does why has that not existed in the space of sexual harassment where it has you know the repercussions of that are way stronger than rating your healthcare benefits or your holiday days or whatever like that because that has repercussions on say like emotional health yeah. it has repercussions on so many different aspects of the company as well as you mentioned before so but my question is why
1: yeah, I would I'd break it down into two main points. So, firstly, I think um, previous decision makers and companies didn't realize that sexual harassment was actually a problem. I mean, we're still encountering that today when we speak to and go to speak to companies. They're like, "Yeah, but it doesn't happen here. It happens in every single company." Um, and you know, and we know this because the majority of individuals experience sexual harassment. Especially, um, you know, people are always shocked when they hear that a third of men experience sexual harassment. You know, it's an issue for men as well. Um, So, firstly, just the the thought that okay, sexual harassment isn't a problem, so we don't need to deal with it. That, and then the second one, I think what we encounter the most is this fear of false reporting. um, That if someone's anonymous, and they'll just make something up to be malicious, to advance their careers, to destroy someone else's. Um, And nonetheless, there's no statistical evidence of actual any. Um, kind of false reports coming in when someone becomes anonymous with a sexual harassment case. And obviously I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that one of the main issues with sexual harassment specifically is a lack of data. Um, So that's something that we're definitely trying to encourage. But like a comparable data set is um, false reports for assault and rape. And they estimate that between two and 5% of cases um, reported are false, uh, which is still under the average for any other crime. So this fear of false reporting clearly stems from something else. And that's the belief of perhaps like not necessarily believing women coming forward. Um, So that's why it's so important to like, you know, when someone comes forward with a sexual harassment case, um, conventionally they have to prove that what they're saying is true, Uh, which instead of being believed straight away, you know, there's immediately when someone comes forward with a case, they're they're not believed until they have proof. And unfortunately, with sexual harassment, there's very little proof usually, because you don't have a time time-stamped evidence of what happened. So that's what we're trying to do is kind of, you know, create more of an evidence based uh, reporting system.
0: But that problem might still exist where, I mean, obviously, because there, there might not be cameras inside the office, like it might have even happened outside yeah. the office. Like there's so many different aspects, right? Like if that is a problem that exists where, you know, the evidence might not be there, the timestamp issue like that's probably a big issue as well, right? That the timestamp would probably help to an extent, but there must be other sort of ways to remedy that, right? Yeah.
1: So um, we one of the um, the main data that we've been able to extract as well has been that when a case is actually reported by a witness, it actually accelerates. You know, it's like three times more likely to be resolved. So we also have a witness and a bystander option. So if you actually see something um, or or even like, you know, your friend at work is being sexually harassed, but they don't feel comfortable coming forward, you can do it for them, again, anonymously, if you choose to be. Um, so I think, you know, it's still a problem. Um, and the other way that we're trying to solve it is by, when you go into the application, you don't actually have to submit the report straight away, you can just log in incidents. So by logging in incidents, that's where you have kind of that timestamp to say, you know, this this time, like he did this to me, like, although it's not like a picture of this person um, sexually harassing you, it still shows that you've gone to the effort of actually like writing in at this time to keep it as evidence. Um, so yeah, it's not like a co- like a complete solution to the problem, but that's also why alongside the um, the reporting and the case resolution, we've integrated them with the NLP and that's what like is currently under development.
0: What's the, what's the sort of end goal for Metaspace? Is it to kind of remedy the reporting aspect or is it more overarching as to you know sexual harassment in the workplace is a problem let's analyze each pain point of why let's eradicate it based on like i don't know if eradication is is
1: no no that's realistic given that this (laughs)
0: really yeah okay go on yeah Yeah, because
1: i mean we we
0: it's just a difficult it's just a difficult target that's why that's why i said
1: absolutely like we want to make ourselves useless like our whole goal and we define ourselves as a b2b platform to help companies eradicate sexual harassment um that's our ultimate goal um yeah it's it's a big it's a huge problem and it's a big task but it doesn't mean you know i think for so long people have steered away from sexual harassment because of this fear that it is such a big problem but You have to start somewhere. (laughs) So that's you know, and that's why you know, we know that today is the era of of big data. So if we can help and create a positive social impact um on the lives of of working individuals today through this these insights, then you know, even better.
0: Is it is it technology? Obviously, there's the aspect, as you said before, of companies and people and society taking sexual harassment more seriously Mm -hmm. compared to before. But from a technological standpoint, what's kind of, I guess, been innovated in the world? What technology has been innovated to enable you to to be able to offer this solution that you can today? As in, could you have done this a few years ago, basically, or like ten years ago?
1: Yeah. So, in terms, so NLP is is um, is natural language processing, and in its you know most simple definition, it's um, how a computer understands uh, written text, and that's something that's kind of Advance in leaps and bounds in the last, you know, couple of years, especially with like the creation of different NLP models uh, by Google, um, and the, and it basically means that their accuracy scores are just really, really high when you're modeling a natural language processing algorithms. So that's something that we couldn't have done before, and now we have the opportunity to do so with, with um, with these models. And and but then on the other side, the reporting, the case uh, resolution isn't something that's new technologically. It's just new for the sexual harassment and whistle space.
0: Talk a bit about that natural uh, language processing, just to I guess like I don't really know how that works. I guess like people were listening won't know how that how that works. Just I guess in layman's terms or like just to simplify it mm-hmm. a bit. What, is, what does that mean and how does it benefit the whole sexual harassment space in, in the company? Yeah,
1: so the goal of, um, of the natural language processing is to be preventative. And the, with our, us specifically, what we want to use the algorithm for is to detect sexual harassment occurring in real time in written communications at the workplace. So um, I think the best is if I give you an example, if I say, for example, oh, you look so good today. If we have a good relationship, or you know a friendly relationship that's not necessarily sexual harassment but sexual harassment is a spectrum and it depends on context if actually we don't have an existing relationship or you're not comfortable with that um that's wildly inappropriate thing to say in the world, in the workplace um so if i was to write that to you for example on slack or workplace um platform you would receive a pop up saying oh um if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable like remember you can report it If you say yes, then the algorithm learns that that's a case of sexual harassment for you. And so that it becomes more sensitive to future messages that I send. Um, But if you say no, then the algorithm also learns. So that's like a type of learning, which is really important. And like our goal is to never um, impose our own bias on what we believe sexual harassment to be um, upon the algorithm. So, you know, depending on the person's culture, depending on their basic demographics, uh, depending on their experience, the spectrum of sexual harassment is huge you can people try to define it and i think you know we we, like we prefer to go for a really simple definition of anything um you know that is seen as having sexual intent that makes you feel uncomfortable um is sexual harassment and really what's most important is isn't the um, the intent but the impact that you it has on the individual so it has to be the individual that confirms yes this is sexual harassment with the algorithm rather than like a model doing it for you
0: that's really cool so it's based like you can say like there's an element of like artificial intelligence yeah exactly and yeah i think i think that's so cool because obviously i think the difficulty before that we touched on is that obviously the definition of sexual harassment differs per person Mm -hmm. like and it's it is really difficult like for you as a team it it would have been pretty difficult for you to set what that definition is like you probably that that bias of your own team would have been out in the algorithm given like without this without this sort of artificial intelligence learning what your own definition is over time i think that's really cool because as a tool obviously artificial intelligence is under a lot of scrutiny where you know people think it's going to take over the world or like there's a lot of downside to it but when you're actually using it to solve problems such as this, it just shows the power and it shows the strength if used in the right way, if used in the correct manner. It can really impact people's lives better for like 100%.
1: Definitely. And and that's why we really want it to be you know preventative as well in the sense where imagine if you say like as a company say, oh, we now have this algorithm that kind of detects sexual harassment in real time. I think that sometimes people send messages that they don't realize or they don't have like think twice about, Um, they might think it's a joke or whatever, but then, you know, this would be preventative in a way where someone would think twice before sending an inappropriate message. And again, it's really important to note here that like, obviously, it's all anonymous unless it's flagged and reported. And secondly, it's you know it's not about saying that you can't send certain messages in the workplace like if you have a friendly relationship with someone, you can send whatever you want on the contrary like be my guest but it's just there's no place for um like unconsensual sexualized behavior unconsenting sorry sexualized behavior in the workplace and so that's what we're really trying to kind of push that is actually quite a black and white space even though the spectrum of sexual harassment is gray like that is very black and white.
0: It was so amazing talking to Eleanor about Metaspace, how she started, the strategies and the intentions of her wanting to eradicate sexual harassment in the workplace, like huge issue that needs to be eradicated. And this new technology, along with these new legal frameworks is a perfect time to actually, you know, respond. Now, I wanted to move on to something else to you know help you guys because I know a lot of you guys have a lot of different ideas around how you can use stuff like artificial intelligence blockchain or you know any other innovative solution to help combat real world issues and you know sexual harassment is one example of that. So I wanted to kind of dig deeper to see how Eleanor's story actually started and how kind of the validation, market research, all of that good stuff, like how she actually started Metaspace and how you know the lessons that you can learn starting a similar solution uh, you know in a different space. you know you know the frameworks and the sort of approaches to starting this sort of business are very similar. And so yeah, I wanted to dig deeper there.
1: Definitely. So um, we're a team of four women, and all of us um, have somewhat a technical background, so, um my my background is in data science, well data analytics and machine learning engineering. My co-founder is in cybersecurity, and my we have a software developer and a quantitative um analyst. And so when my Helena and I, my co-founder started, we we don't software develop, so we can't develop the app. Like I tried, like Python is is great for data analytics and machine learning, but like it's not the best at all for I mean you can't develop an app and um so we we outsourced it originally to create our mvp and like that was a big learning curve because we realized that we we wanted to hire someone to work next to us the whole time so that's when we hired a software developer um and she's been working with us now since um feb and so the so the product's going to be released in two weeks so early june so that's kind of like a two months journey february March, april may it's three months to develop the the reporting application um and then the case management system is going to take another month and then the nlp is just about data collecting and then sophisticating the algorithm so that's something that to create a baseline model isn't too difficult but we need obviously to then hire another developer to help us plug it into existing systems so that's kind of our next challenge but I mean, yeah, definitely for us, like the main learning curve is, you know, do your tech in-house um, if possible, because then you get the product that you want. And, you know, even if it takes a bit longer, it's still going to work out cheaper than than doing it um, outsourced, I think.
0: But even even before the MVP, like there's, there are stages to developing this. Like there's there's the research mm. and I guess like it's a mixture of like for for weighing my business it was a mixture of I guess desk research like googling things mm-hmm. but also speaking to real people yeah. that use or experience the, the problem day to day mm-hmm. so was there an element of that as well yeah. because I guess sexual harassment is something that's so difficult to, to kind of pinpoint yeah as to why people don't report if people report what's the what like why aren't they reporting basically and like the the sort of problems around that
1: Definitely yeah so when we started so we were doing our masters um, at the time and so we were doing focus groups so we did like groups of like five to eight um, either all women or all men and we would ask them basic questions about like how they perceived like everything from like how they perceived sexual harassment to like where would you go if you needed to report something and what has your experience been. Um, so that was really, really insightful for us. And I think that's w- the, one of the most insightful things was obviously, you know, that like there's this real lack of trust when people like experience sexual harassment. And there's also a lack of understanding of whether what you're experiencing is sexual harassment. So if like when we touched upon the definition, if you ask someone if they've been sexually harassed the rate um that they'll respond yes to is far lower than if you actually give them oh have you experienced these instances like someone touched you inappropriately um someone's um made a snarky like a snarky re- remark about your your clothes your gender whatever that number just jumps like literally it's basically like nearly 100 percent for women uh for men it's it's also really really high so I think, like, the focus groups made us realize, like, that really gray spectrum of what sexual harassment is and, like, the, the lack of trust. So, like, I definitely think that you have to be speaking to people and as many people as you can. Um, and, like, obviously, from, from my perspective, like, I always want to be, like, creating, like, very clear data sets that we can analyze. But I think when you're doing focus groups, like, you kind of have to let go of that and just think, okay, like, you know, we'll take as many insights as we can, like, it doesn't have to be in binary code to be insightful for, for you, you know, like, it, it doesn't. So, that's definitely, like, the, the, the focus groups were really important to us.
0: <laughs> it's quite funny, because, like, if if that's what you're, you're aiming for, like, binary sort of, like, data sources, yeah. this is probably the least, least binary thing you'll come yeah, across as, as a problem, yeah. because it's, like, such... There are so many gray areas and when you're dealing with emotion it's like people don't even they're not even certain yeah. like what answer they don't even know like if it's a yes or a no yeah. so yeah it's a difficult one to set out in like a binary uh like data set yeah yeah it's quite funny that you're the person that's, that's doing that if you're if you're enjoying <laughs> the binary aspect
1: i know yeah it's it's a conflict but <laughs> we're getting there
0: so eleanor I'm, I'm guessing this is a like when you do finally go out into the market and when you have the mvp you will start selling to some companies as a software as a service right like is that is that the aim yeah so
1: so we're b2b and this is actually our this is our better so like the mvp was tested already on um a couple of pilot projects um and so now we're we're you know like sorting out all of our pricing strategies but yeah ultimately it it's i mean it fits it fits under the broad SaaS um kind of umbrella but like you know we're also defined as like hr tech and uh, legal tech because of the compliance issue with the whistleblowing directive um fem tech because we're helping gender equality so like i mean People like boxes and binary code, so that's that's why um that's why we're defined like that.
0: So what's the what's the reception been like from businesses? Because with I mean, I've I've had people on the podcast before where they're trying to sell uh, software as a service to businesses, and it's in areas such as like mental health mm-hmm. or exercise or stuff like that, and it's it's not always received that 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 positively because obviously you're selling to people high up in these companies because they're the ones with the with the budget yeah. but it's these people that they might have that sort of old view of of the world and i know that's like a big gen big generalization um but like from speaking to people on the podcast before I remember Damien who was trying to sell, I can't remember what episode, it was a long time ago now, but he was trying to sell like mental health reporting in, in companies and like he got a similar back, backlash mm-hmm. from a lot of companies saying, oh no, it's fine, everyone in our company is okay, like we don't need this.
1: Yeah, it's very so much needed. So <laughs> what's the
0: reception? It's awful, yeah, I know. But what, like what's the reception been like for your product? So like from, from businesses?
1: So I think it's really important to make the distinction between Um, your champions and your like the decision makers so for us it's really important that we find our champions and to be honest finding a champion when it comes to like gender equality and and things like sexual harassment it tends to be like quite easy like if you know, if if, some, if someone's quite turned on, like, y- you can find someone within HR, or even an employee to kind of bring it up to higher management, and say, why don't we have this? Um So I think that's, that's our, our strategy, ultimately, is like, okay, find the, the champion, and they convince the decision makers, because if we go straight in with the decision makers, like, we're going to get resistance. Um Nonetheless, we're really fortunate that we're operating under this legal framework, which states that, all EU companies with more than 50 employees have to have a reporting system for whistleblowing. So we're basically, you know, it's not just an ethical and a financial issue because we can, you know, we can bring up loads of numbers about how much sexual harassment is costing them, how much they're they're losing in, in employees. But, you know, when it comes to like legal, this is kind of similar to like a GDPR issue where it's like, OK, you, you need to have something like us or do it internally, but it's a headache. So we can do this for you externally, and like make sure that it's way more smooth running. Make sure that your employees are happy, and then provide you insights based on that.
0: That's really cool. Like I I think it's like perfect timing for you when this legal framework coming up is like perfect. I know we didn't know Um, about
1: it until like a couple months into the business, and then we were like, (laughs) wow, (laughs) like yeah, it's amazing.
0: That's really good timing. But I was going to ask because I know a lot of people starting a business or thinking about starting a business within b2b software as a service or like Mm -hmm. trying to sell to businesses trying to find that champion can be quite tricky
1: yeah
0: well even if that person exists they might not even exist in the company right so how how how's your strategy been trying to find that champion within a company because something like sexual harassment isn't something that's advertised on linkedin you can't find someone who's been sexually harassed before to say listen like we could have stopped that or or stuff like that because it's not it's obvious it's not public information yeah so how, how, for people trying to sell within businesses, trying to find their champion, how can people do that?
1: I think there's, there's a couple of cues that you can get. Like we're not necessarily looking for like the term sexual harassment. So like, for example, to find a champion, we'd be looking perhaps at like, um, imagine if we choose like, okay, today we'll look at LinkedIn uh, for this specific company. And we look at gender equality. Does anyone say anything about gender equality? Um, does anyone say anything about whistleblowing does anyone say anything about social corporate responsibility impact positive um, impact um, mental health um, so it's it's just like we always say that we need someone who's receptive and the way that they're receptive is that if they have that like their eyes are open to to the problem so you know that when I go up to them and I'm like sex harassment, they're like yeah big problem um, whilst we don't want to be targeting individuals that their eyes are closed and they don't know that sexual harassment is a problem because that's just too much of a headache for us to like convince someone to change their mentality like that. Um, we, you know, like perhaps the decision makers aren't, um, you know, perhaps the decision makers don't actually know that it's a problem. But if you have champions and your employees demanding something like that, in addition to a legal framework that requires it for you, Like that's really going to be the current pushing us through.
0: Do you think that will be really key to your growth once you release the beta? Once you try to get more businesses on board, is trying to identify that person that will take your solution, lift it higher into the business to get the key, you know, stakeholders to to engage.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's critical. I think it's critical for a lot of social impact um, um, companies because you know, unfortunately, like if you go in and say, "Oh, I can save you this much money," it tends to be like a more like an easier offering to give um, than to say, you know, oh, you know, we want to make your employees better, like to make them feel better, which seems mad, but it's like the sad reality of, of businesses today. So, you know, you you just need it, to, like we just need the argument to be so strong that like they can't think of anything to say against them. So that's why we come in with like ethical, financial and legal.
0: So when you when you do go on LinkedIn to find these people, I don't know if that's your like main strategy for finding these people, but I guess, do you, do you go on the company page? Do you go on, like, the, the individual employees? And then you have to, I guess, like, rank by seniority to, to some extent. It does sound like quite a difficult thing. So, practically, do you mind just, like, breaking it down slightly?
1: Yeah, I mean, firstly, obviously, this is just the start of our, our sales cycle. And I'm by no means a salesperson. So, like, I'm probably not going to be giving the the best advice here Um but yeah, I think what we like, what we're starting to do is actually within our network or being introduced So like warm intros to people, I think is like, if you can get a warm introduction, that's key. And like, especially within the startup world and like, there's, there's, I mean, we're based in Madrid. Um, Like we have enough connections to get us started, to get us warm intros into like the the big companies and after that like ultimately because we want to become a norm when other companies start seeing their competitors acquiring a, a solution like ours we expect it to also be because obviously we're compliant so like companies are going to be looking for a solution like ours so like it's not just going to be you know it's going to be inbound and outbound sales for us
0: i'm i'm really looking forward to the beta releasing yeah, me too. And, <laughs> and the companies to kind of the companies to well, you have the legal frameworks there and for companies to actually take this seriously because there's so many social issues that big companies kind of, they say they care about, Yeah. but then when like push comes to shove and like money's on the table, exactly. they might not care about it as much. It's just the kind of reality of it. But with, with like a legal push on the horizon, a solution like yours is, is like perfectly placed. So I'm massively excited to see what happens from there um and yeah i'm really happy to have you on the podcast before i guess it goes a bit mental for you once you release the visa so eleanor it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast i i really enjoyed it so how could people stay in touch with you and stay in touch with metaspace in the future because i'm sure people want to follow it before and you know during the beta launch
1: yeah definitely so we're we're quite active on on linkedin you can find us under metaspace um so yeah obviously right now like our two main priorities is uh, we're opening a new round of funding, and we're um, launching the better. So we're always open to connecting to new individuals. Um, with that, anyone who has a company or knows of has you know works within a company that thinks a solution like ours, uh, you know, don't feel you know feel free to reach out. And lastly, we have an ambassador program. That is filled currently with 50 incredible individuals who are also passionate about gender equality, uh, creating better workplaces and, and, you know, helping us on our mission to eradicate sexual harassment. So if anyone wants to join that, they can find the sign up page on our website.
0: That, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Eleanor, for coming on the podcast. I'm sure people, people have absolutely loved it. So, yeah, thank you so much again and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you Thanks. so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for staying at the very end of the episode. It really means so much that you say to the very end. I do appreciate it so, so much. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Also, follow us on Instagram. Um, That's where all the new episodes get announced, along with all the previews. Subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube is still, you know, we're still quite new on YouTube. The, the last, like, I think five episodes have been on there. You know, the full video episodes are on YouTube now. I know a lot of you guys have, have asked for it. So it's all its all on YouTube now. Um, the, the link for that is in the, the description below. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any other new episodes if you do like watching them over video. So, yeah, that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening to the very end again. And I'll catch you in the next episode.